Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast, where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. Let's go! What's going on, everybody? You're listening to this week's episode of the Sports Scramble Podcast, brought to you by Belly Up Sports. I'm your host, Chet, and I've got Jacob joining me, and we have a special guest. He's an individual that has traveled all 50 states, played 269 random pairings at 111 different municipal golf courses. We've got Jeremy with Paired Up Golf. How are you doing tonight, Jeremy? I am doing great. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, we. Uh, I found Jeremy. I was scrolling on TikTok, as you normally do. He popped up on my For You page, and I guess that's the algorithm working trying to reach more people. We're hoping it starts working for us a little bit more, get those numbers going. Yeah, um, I guess so. I've, I've basically met like posted virtually, I don't know, almost nothing on TikTok, but I posted that trailer on there and I was like, all right, TikTok. I started yeah, trying that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that social media, TikTok, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, you just post something and let it do it, let it do its thing and see what, mm-hmm. see what it kicks back. So we've met plenty of people through that and through our, our network, Belly of Sports, this. People blow, can blow up or it takes a while to, you know, to get through there. So, for sure. uh, well, like I mentioned, uh, I'm looking at your website, uh, you know, the 269 random partners at 111 municipal golf courses all across America. I think it says 23,455 miles traveled. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. So <laughs> yeah. um, we, we wanted to have Jeremy come on the show and kind of tell his story. But in true sports scramble podcast fashion we have to ask him the 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 icebreaker question uh jacob i'll let you take this one since uh, we asked all our guests this yeah so uh the question is if you could have dinner with anybody dead or alive who would it be Hmm. all right this this came to mind quickly uh and i'll 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 quiz you guys so i'm I'm a tennessee grad so who do you think i want a dinner you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it as soon as you said Tennessee. I was yes. like, it's got to be Peyton Manning. Yes. And so when I was, so I mean, I was born in the 90s. So, you know, he was at Tennessee when I was like, just kind of becoming a big fan. My parents went there. My older siblings went there. We all right. were, you know, brainwashed at an early age to wear orange and sing Rocky <laughs> Top and all that. And so I remember when he went to the Colts, like, that's why I'm a Colts fan still to this day, <laughs> just because I put yeah. in all that time with them and um but when i was a little kid in elementary school i made this you had to make a commercial for some product and you had to like make up your product and i made up the cereal called manning munch cereal and have this little commercial of how nutritious it was and i'm wearing a peyton jersey and made this little box i think my parents still have like this manning munch cereal box <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, somewhere. that's so cool the uh so, the manning so, family is a little intertwined with mine uh you we mentioned before the show you traveled on down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, Biloxi Gulfport area. There's a famous yeah. French restaurant, Mary Mahoney's, that uh, half my family owns. And uh, my oh, mom nice. used to work there in high school. And uh, Archie and his wife came down and brought the boys. And they needed somebody to babysit the boys while they had a nice dinner. And my mom was picked. She was the waitress that wasn't working that night. No so she way. actually <laughs> she sat Peyton, uh, Eli, and, Art, and uh, uh, Cooper. Uh, that's Cooper, that's yeah. the third one. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's that's always, too cool. Always, that's the, what is what a sweet experience for her. 
Yeah, so it's always a fun little story to tell when someone brings up Peyton Manning. I bet you you probably love the Manning cast, huh? Getting to watch your childhood hero call NFL games. I do. It, like I'll I'll uh, find myself watching some random like Jets game or some game I just don't care about. <laughs> like, yeah, my girlfriend's like, oh, is you know the Colts playing? I'm like, no, but uh, Peyton's on, so I'm just gonna watch it. <laughs> the Manning brothers rule. I mean, they're gonna run the NFL I know. one day. It's Man, crazy. Seriously, that'll, that'll be awesome. It'll be back to its full glory. Um, mm-hmm. but let's 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 jump into it. Uh, you know, tell tell the listeners your story, your the journey you embarked on, kind of what what got you into it. Yeah, so last March I left uh, with my girlfriend and our two little dogs on a what ended up being a nine month fifty state road trip in our converted Sprinter van. And did so, did you do the the conversion yourself, or did you buy it that way? Because I saw some pictures; it looks sweet. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I actually bought it that way. So there was a couple okay. in, in Chattanooga who was, um, which is only, I live in Nashville. So they were only two hours kind of southeast of me. And most of that stuff's on the West Coast. Like most of it's in San Diego or, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of in, so anywhere in SoCal. And so I saw this one pop up in Chattanooga and I was like, I have to get this one. And so <laughs> I um, went down there and like talked to this couple and they used to live in a van and for a few years now they just build them out. And I just saw they they just posted one for sale actually today. Um, okay, but they but they just kind of go one at a time and right found it. And I, I'm a, just so your listeners know and you guys as well. I'm a, I was a complete novice to RV life. I did not come from a family who camps ever really, or <laughs> especially doesn't RV. I rode an RV one time as a kid uh, mm-hmm. from I'm from Florida originally, so I went up to a Tennessee game um, football game in Knoxville in like a friend's dad's rv but it was like one of those huge bus like tricked out right yeah rvs where it's like it might as well be a house <laughs> essentially and so yeah it was definitely this past year was a learning experience uh, no question and so yeah we ended up going like you said those numbers there all 50 states uh played 111 municipal courses and my my sole purpose of the trip though was to get into uh random pairings at golf courses so nothing pre-planned. Um, this wasn't a golf trip of like, what's the nicest course I can play or what's, you know, the, what's the best course in town. Like I strictly played the city owned municipals because as you guys probably know, since you play, like that's where you get the widest variety of people. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like you'll get people literally, I don't know, down to the last dollar to people who make millions a year, you know, like you get, Mm -hmm the whole economic bracket out there, you know, men, women, everybody. And so um, kids, I played with a handful of kids like on this trip too. And so, uh, so yeah, so my, my whole purpose was working on a book about just these random pairings and these people and just met some pretty amazing people as I went. And um, yeah, it was, it was kind of the, the tag along fourth <laughs> for yeah. about nine months on the course. That's that's so awesome. Did uh so is I guess is your background are you a writer and you wanted to chase something or is this was just like something that you thought of one day and said you know what let's make it happen? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, so I, I used to I worked for the Golfers Journal for a little bit over a year. Um, okay. If you're familiar with them, it's this like quarterly quarterly publication. Um, hmm. and so I, but otherwise, I mean, I've worked in sales for a window replacement company for about nine years and was. I'd started to do paired up on the side. So I took a trip to Canada in 2018, just like a family vacation and got paired up with this couple up in Banff Springs, which is this really epic course. I mean, it's like these crazy mountains everywhere and the, this crystal blue river and it rained, hailed, was like cold <laughs> and really hot. Like it was this crazy day out there. I was playing with my dad. All four, all four seasons of one day in Canada. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> sounds I really like was. pretty intense. Like just uh, at one point I had on like three jackets then I had on just a short sleeve shirt and like it just <laughs> was a really bizarre day. But like the thing that stood out to me the most that day was this, this older couple named Herb and Jill mm-hmm. that we were randomly paired up with. And like li- literally that in the restaurant, after that round, I was sitting with my parents and my sister. I was like, man, I, I think like that's the most interesting part of golf courses to me is that you show up and you just have no clue who you're going to meet and you meet these people. And what I found through doing that and through this journey was everyone has a story that would really stop you in your tracks. Right. And the trick is just kind of getting out of your own way to hear it, essentially. So I started doing this thing. I just created this thing called Paired Up on the side where, uh, you know, inside of my sales job and was 
just, you know, blogging or just posting on social media about random people I was paired up with at golf courses. And then eventually, you know, then I worked for the golf journal for a bit at the same time as doing the sales job, but then eventually left both and took on this trip. That's hey, when you got a dream, follow it, you know? Mm-hmm. So as far, you know, getting into like the courses and things, you know, based on you played all 50 States, like you said, you know, is it, where's you know guys have preferences i guess when they go places grass is different environments are different where would you say your favorite part like region wise of the country uh, to play golf would be oh man that that's a good question because you're totally right i mean it is wildly different like I, I mean i grew up in florida so a bunch of warm weather grass i've lived in the south uh i mean pretty much my whole life i lived in chicago for a couple of years after college um but but yeah, so I never really played like the de- desert terrain um, until this trip. And then California, you kind of get into a whole, you know, new thing there. And then of course, all across like the north and like northeast, you get that awesome, like cool weather grass where take these big divots that you can just toss back and <laughs> it's like know, beaver tails. Yeah. And then, I mean, I played places in the middle of like the desert and like West Texas and New Mexico that you couldn't make a divot if you tried, right? It's just like dust just explodes <laughs> yeah. when you hit the ground. And so uh, one that comes to mind though, when you ask that is um, I really like some of those ones on the coast of California where, and I know a lot of people don't like putting on like POA greens, if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you hear, I don't hear tour pros or tour pros talk about how bumpy right. it is and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But um, I don't know. I, I like that stuff. Like through San Diego, even all the way up to, you know, Seattle and Portland, just kind of those, those coastal spots. I think I like so, that grass a lot. When, so when you were over there, was there any temptation to like sneak over to Pebble Beach and try to get around there? Or was it strictly municipal courses? That's what you set out to do. That's what you were going to play. Man, temptation was at an, at an all-time <laughs> high <laughs> at certain times. But no, I, I stayed true to it, just did the munis. Um, right. And I was like, if I go play somewhere else, it's not a muni once it's a slippery slope. (laughs) Yeah. You start to fall like, Oh, I'm in Oregon. I got banded dunes. Let's go try that out. Literally beach. Yes. Literally drove directly past the entrance of banded dunes. And I like made a stop next to, I was like, I told my girlfriend me, I was like, you have to get a picture of me real quick (laughs) in front of the sign, like covering my eyes or something. But Put that um, on the cover of your book. I know. Right. (laughs) And then there's, there's um there's one so i don't know if you guys are familiar with Landman that just opened in um, nebraska it's uh, a, a friend of mine rob collins he, he designed sweden's cove if you've heard of that um he and his, his design company anyway they just they just opened this course last year that just they opened it kind of late in the season but it's now like the number one new public course i think in america is what golf digest rated it and so uh i stopped by just like look at that because he happened to be in town when i was there and he was like, hey, we're playing tomorrow if you want to go out there and play. And I was like, uh, better not. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, uh, I, was like, I was like, I'll come back. I'll come back, which I am this summer. You want to go up there and play. So, Yeah, you but should yes, do a, I, a tour through all the municipal and then a tour of all the public, but maybe not city-owned courses throughout the country. I know, yeah. Right, There's plenty awesome. of those, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> was, was it tough finding um, – like spots to stop around the country? Like how did you plan out your route, Uh, you know, strictly municipal? Did that tie in or did you like have a route and then you would break off to go play a course and then get back on the, on the trail? So I planned this trip in um, actually back in 2019. So I I had the idea for it and this this is going to tie into what you're asking there, but Mm -hmm. I had, had this idea for it in, this the summer of 2019 i was like i'd been doing the paired up stuff a little bit on the side and was like man i just really want to do this on like a bigger scale and then i was traveling uh for work one time and i was in indianapolis and just played this muni and met these two awesome ladies that i just was randomly paired up with and i was like all right this is it i need to like go to all these different places and do that and so i spent the second half of 2019 actually which feels i don't know what like 100 years ago now (laughs) after really um but i mean i spent that whole half of the year of mapping it out and originally i was going to do like this four month or i thought it was going to take four months but i was going to do this loop around the country where it was going to be i think 35 total states and 
even when we left on the trip, it was, that was still the plan was to do essentially leave from Nashville, go to Florida, go all the way West to San Diego, basically along I-10 up to Seattle, essentially across the top part of the country to Chicago around to the Northeast and back down. And so I was going to skip just a bunch of stuff in the middle there. Um, So I had all those courses mapped out um, for the most part, I would say up until I got to like the Northeast because up around there, I don't know. I just didn't know that area super well. And I just needed some like local Intel from people. Um, But yeah, so a lot of it was just online research, which Mm -hmm. man, if you want to, if you want to find a website that, looks like it was created in 1995 and hasn't been touched uh go to city owned like like city website yeah really (laughs) click on their parks department and try to figure out some stuff about a golf course on there or just trying to figure out if a place is truly a a, a municipal course um which thankfully there's this website i don't know if you guys know it called golf link that Mm -hmm. they they'll list it looks like a really basic website but it was so helpful to me because they would just list you know, within a city, all the courses or within a state, even all the courses, and then they would, they would label them municipal and blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes I would call just to like, make sure like, Hey, you guys own by the city. Okay, cool. Um, but so a lot of it, I, I knew like a lot of courses as I was going, but man, I would say probably like 30% of them maybe popped up as I was going just through word of mouth. Like, Hey, you've got to go to fill in the blank, you know? And then I'd be like, okay, sweet. And then go check it out. But I knew the route we were going to do. And so as long as it was somewhat on that route, we were good. Gotcha. I got to, I got to ask, where did you play in Louisiana? Cause uh, I went to LSU. Um, so there was a, there's a fun little city owned course in, in Baton Rouge in the capital called city park. It's a nine hole course. It's short. It's, it's pretty fun. That is precisely where I played. So there you go. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I played, I've played a few places actually. So I stopped in Baton Rouge just cause I, I mean, being an SEC person, I've, I've like always wanted to go go to a game there and stuff. Just never have made it down there, and right. Um, and so I just wanted to stop and check out Baton Rouge just in, in general. But yeah, so I played City Park, and that place is really fun, man. That it has mm. some really fun holes that like it's not. I mean, you're not gonna be bored they're, they're, out there. Yeah, and they're not long holes, so a lot of them are like drivable par fours. Um, Dri- drivable, but you got to be accurate. Like you got to yeah. <laughs> A good shot. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I played there and met a couple pastors there that I played with and they were cool. I think, um, I mean, they're, they're both local and then stopped by campus, saw Mike, the tiger, he was out in his habitat. And yep. I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, Hey, they have this live tiger on campus. We like kind of have to go see. <laughs> so <laughs> we, uh, we stopped by and she was like, I mean, she's, she's from like, you know, California and is not, has not been baptized or in all things SEC football or anything. Right. And so I was probably like, shocked that there was a, an yeah, actual she's tiger. Like, what is what's happening here again? I was like, well, I, I'll tell you, his name's Mike. He's, you know, I don't know how much longer they're going to do this, but <laughs> he's down there. And then, and then I went to New Orleans and played uh, Joseph Bartholomew there and then played um, another one that was called, I think it was, it was called city park there as well. I think. Um, um it's called uh or no it's 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 in it's within city park yeah i can't um, remember the name of it but yeah they have a park called city park in, in New Orleans. yes uh there's two there's two courses there now i didn't play the newer uh, this is terrible i can't think of the name of it but um I, I didn't play there's a newer one that's that was redesigned to try to get like a tour of it and stuff that never happened and then there, i played the older one there yeah, it's either like the north uh, course or IU, yeah there's the north course and the south course yeah, so was, I played the North Course. Yes. Okay. I, I I wore a hat from there forever until it like eventually just discolored too much, but it like had a pelican on it. It was just mm-hmm. it's like kind of a cool New Orleans hat, but I so, liked it, man. Going to New Orleans too was uh, I'd only been there once, and it was I was in high school, so it had been quite a while. But right, man, that that place is a true unique one of one town. I mean, it's it it's is. in the South, but it's so different <laughs> than everything else in the South, right? Right. Like, it is. <laughs> Well, actually, well, uh, we have two other co-hosts on the show. One of them is actually his birthday, so he's out celebrating with his soon-to-be wife. And uh, the other one was working. He works for the New Orleans Pelicans, so he's, they have a game tonight. He's working there. Uh, but the four of us will all be in New Orleans in a few weeks for Wade, our other co-host, for his wedding. Um, so we may we may have to bring the clubs with us, Jacob, and try to get around <laughs> over at, yeah. at, on the north course and, and check it out. You they could, yeah. It's, it's been in there. Yeah, the north the north course is definitely like the older, you know, much more kind of tired of the two. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I, I met it was, so we happened to be there during the uh, final four weekend last year which okay. was hosted there and just yeah. kind of out of coincidence and I played on the Monday of the championship game with a coach you know like every basically are tons of coaches go to the final four you know just a huge networking weekend and mm-hmm. I, I was randomly paired up with a guy there who um, coaches at Loyola of Maryland and yep. <laughs> he was trying to play just before he was flying back and then we we kept up a little bit just through social media and then by the time we got around to which that school's in baltimore by the time we got around to baltimore it was their like big midnight madness like season kickoff event and he was like hey please come to this thing and so i ended up going to that and hanging out and like catching up with him again which was too cool that's that's really like you you said before we started recording you meet people and network and you never know if you're ever going to talk to him again or you end up going to a basketball game because uh, yeah. they have coaches who you played with. I know. I, I find myself like following, like, <laughs> like almost getting updates on my phone, like, like checking out their teams, seeing how they're doing. And yeah, uh, his name is Tavares. Uh, he, he's a really cool guy. Yeah. So, uh, Jacob, you go ahead. I, I've got one. I've yeah. Got a question so, in the back of my mind. Yeah. So I had to ask you, you know, something caught my eye like in your story of of your journey and everything and it was you playing with tiger's caddy from the 95 masters um you know tell me about like that experience you know the story like i'm sure the stories were endless you know of of all the things that happened there of course uh you know with the history of the masters and, and the changes you know it being like the only event that had its own caddies you know of course that was mm-hmm. gone but like what what kind of experience was that like you know in the stories that he would tell yeah that was that was kind of crazy i mean it was um uh, the friday skins game at the patch which is what they call the augusta uh, you know municipal course there just because the one of the general managers at one point his wife grew had a cabbage patch that grew there and so every local around there calls it the patch <laughs> and so oh. <laughs> uh so I just, I showed up on a Friday, you know, no tea time or anything. I was just hoping to get out with somebody. This was right before Thanksgiving. So we were getting down towards the end of the trip and they were like, well, Hey, there's a skins game coming out. You can ask them if they'll let you join or whatever. And I was like, that, that sounds great. I'll do that. And then was randomly paired up with him. And one of the guys in the group was like, Hey, he, by the way, he was Tiger's caddy at the Masters, and I was he thinking like he didn't even come out and say it. He was trying to <laughs> yeah, lay well, low and be cool. I know. I was like, I was thinking, you know, I was like, wait, no, what did he caddy? Because I was, I was, you know, only picturing Tiger having like Fluff or Stevie or you know right. Joey Lacob and stuff. And but yeah, it was, so it was Tiger's first Masters. So obviously, the U.S. Amateur Champion, which Tiger was at the time, gets a berth into the Masters, and it was in 1995, and they just wanted a a local caddy that that had knowledge of, of the place. And so Tommy grew up in a low income neighborhood that borders Augusta country club, which borders Augusta national. And mm-hmm. um, he uh, I'll get into his story in a second, but yeah, so he, um, so he was, you know, they, they came to Tommy and he had, he had been cutting there for, I mean, since he was literally, literally a little kid. And um, when they asked him, he was like, I don't want to caddy for tiger which is such a funny thing to think about now. I mean, knowing what we know now, but this is 95. He's an amateur. Like Tommy was like, I don't want to caddy. He told me, he's like, I don't want to caddy for no damn amateur. He's like, I want to win. <laughs> so uh, like he really if wanted only to he actually... waited a few years. <laughs> I know. Right. And so he, um, the closest, cause he, he got second one time with a guy named Jody mud on the bag. And it was like the closest he came to winning. And it had like a big moment on 18 and everything. And, um, and so, Anyway, so eventually he agrees to the caddy for Tiger, and he told me the story where Tiger, on Friday, which he was calling Cut Day, had had driven it into the pine straw on 13, like in the trees there, where you know a lot of famous shots have happened, right? And mm-hmm. he just kept telling Tiger to lay up, and was trying to give him this layup yardage, and Tiger just kept demanding for the yardage of the pin, and he like wouldn't tell him. Then eventually he was like, "Fine, it's you know two whatever he said, two thirty or two twenty something to the pin," and Tiger was like, "Give me the four iron," and like hit it on the green. Made birdie, and made the cut. The true you know, Tiger Woods and, fashion. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then of course, you know, got the low amateur that year. And uh, but so that that's kind of a cool example on, on this trip where that you know, catting for Tiger in the Masters is obviously like on the first line of that guy's bio, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. in his obituary. Obituary one day that'll probably be what's said first. It'll be on but, his tombstone. If it was me, yeah, it'd be a right? Tiger's caddy and then loving yeah. husband and father. 
<laughs> yes, and, and so he went. He went on to um, to him. Mean, he's caddied for VJ and Kucher and Webb Simpson and all these different people um, at, at various tour events throughout the year. And he still caddies on the Corn Ferry Tour some now. At, and I'm pretty sure he was in his early 70s. Um, and so, wow. Uh, so he's still getting after it. But what I found so interesting with him was that. Like, yes, of course, I was drawn to the Tiger aspect of it because as any golf fan or golfer anywhere, like you hear Tiger, you're like, tell me everything, you know, you know, but he he grew up in, you know, a low in that low income neighborhood uh, that's called the hill there. That's the Sand Hills neighborhood. And his his dad was never in the picture. His mom um, left when he was a kid and moved to New York to be a housekeeper, leaving Tommy and his sister in Augusta to somewhat be raised by his grandparents but really to, to fend for themselves and so he started caddying at augusta country club because they paid three dollars a day for, wow. for caddying back in the day and he did that so that he could provide lunch money for he and his sister at school mm-hmm. and then the, the the kind of the rule in town was you had to caddy at augusta country club and prove yourself there to then get called up to essentially the big leagues which was augusta national which he got called up to eventually um, and that was really awesome for him because he could now make seven bucks a day at Augusta National. Wow. Yeah. And and keep That's in mind, crazy. this is in this is in like the segregated South when he's growing up, and this is back when um, you know the Masters, the the chairman there said like the golfers will be white, the caddies will be black, and um, yeah. I mean, that was back in that era. And so he, mm. you know, he was caddying forever out there and he told me he would skip school to go caddy and eventually the caddy master had to tell him like hey man i can't give you loops during the week like i know you're skipping school you can come here after school on the weekends etc so i mean his i just found his story really inspiring yeah just on a personal level even if you just remove the tiger aspect out of it Mm -hmm. which which was pretty neat so i've i've seen so many stories of like that same thing of, of all these different caddies uh you know just like you said you know getting to that point in augusta national and of course you know that's no longer you know in the picture anymore knowing you know just from three to seven dollars to now we're seeing you know caddies take home 10 to 15 percent of the winnings uh each week oh, sure. you know, which is completely different you know just 50 50 60 years later and you're seeing mm-hmm. things you know that you never thought you would uh you know from his perspective i'm sure but, yeah. Certainly, and the guys in that in that Friday game out there, a lot of them were, were caddies at Augusta. Um, you know, he just happened to be get Tiger's bag, right? Right. So, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> he didn't want those, it, but he got it. <laughs> I know exactly. So uh, you know, a lot of those guys in that group were, were awesome to talk to, just because I mean, you can't really grow up and or really live in Augusta, Georgia, without being intertwined with the Masters right. to some degree, is what, oh. what it seemed like, especially. Yeah, a golfer, right? And so, I mean, because it's to them, it's their hometown tournament. To you and I and people listening, it's probably the holy grail of like, yeah, oh, I hope I get to Super go there Bowl. one day, right? Yeah, the Super Bowl yeah. of golf. Or like, everyone can be like, oh, I got to go one time and you remember everything from that day, et cetera. And so right. for them, it's it's their hometown, you know? Um, and another guy in our group that day, so it was me, Tommy, and uh, there's three of us. The other guy was... Um, a guy named Jim Dent who played on the PGA tour and then won 13 times on the champions tour. He had like this really robust champions tour career. And uh, I believe he was um, 80 and I mean, he was always known for his distance and was still just like piping it out there and like still had all the game you would want. His son um, now is the GM at at the, at the patch at the Muni there. So cool. Yep. And (laughs) then um, the family. Exactly. So, and like the street pulling into the golf course is Jim Dent way. And so mm-hmm. that, that place is, I mean, obviously everyone's going to talk about Augusta national, rightly so, but man, I had, I, I won't go back to Augusta without stopping by there. That's for sure. Right. Well, and that's, what's cool about your story is when people think Augusta, they immediately think the masters. Um, but then you've got a, a whole nother perspective on it. Um, mm-hmm. Did you, did you make it by, uh, by Augusta National, take a picture of at least the front gate or something. Drive by. Of there. course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't be a golf fan if you if you did. Yes. So I told my girlfriend, try- like, "Hey, we we have to drive by this place. I need to take a picture. There's probably going to be a you know guard. And sure enough, there's like a state trooper looking guard with a big wide brim hat, and uh, he he like so I just like stopped in this this turn lane essentially in the middle, and I was taking a picture down there. He saw me, and I just kind of like waved, and he was like, gave me a little salute, like. 
You're the he probably one, sees it. Hundredth person to do this this week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so so the, um, must, the must stops were Mike the Tiger and Augusta National. So that makes me feel better about LSU that the, it's yeah. nationwide. Correct. In that order, I'd say. You got it. Yeah. There you go. Mike the Tiger and then Augusta National. Yes. <laughs> we're using that as a soundbite for the, for the whole episode. Perfect. <laughs> Oh, I wanted to ask, what was your, uh, well, before I get, I got two questions for you. Where, like, where would y'all stay at night? Would you just kind of find random RV parks along the way? You mentioned you'd shower at Planet Fitness. Um, Where, like, what was your plan for where to stay? There's one place that's in basically every town in the country. Can you guess, can you guess where we stayed? Walmart or Planet Fitness? (laughs) You nailed it, Walmart. (laughs) So we slept, I mean, we really only did campgrounds, I think, four total times okay. out of nine, you know, nine months. Like I thought we were going to do those probably more than that, but sometimes the stuff was booked up and we didn't know when we'd be somewhere until the day before potentially. And so, but yeah, so we slept, I mean, primarily in Walmart parking lots and Cracker Barrel parking lots and nice the Cracker Barrel, Barrel areas of the country. And those felt a little safer <laughs> for, you know, whatever reason. And um, I mean, we had, we didn't have any, any crazy issues either way, right. but Yes, I feel like I could walk in blindfolded into a, the Cracker Barrel country store section of it and tell you where everything is. <laughs> Was that your um, go-to breakfast spot along when man, they were well, in the country? Y- y- well, you know, so they have those RV spots like literally painted behind every Cracker Barrel. Like you'll see like RV and bus parking, like a sign when you pull into all of them. And I had no idea that was a thing. Now I yeah, ne- next time you go by, I just look, you'll see a little white street sign that says RV and bus parking and then arrows pointing oh. behind it. And early on, I was like, man, I wonder why they let you do this. And then I would end up buying breakfast there in the mornings. I'm like, oh, this is why. <laughs> yeah, they get, exactly they get the why, business yeah. for sure. They've trapped me. <laughs> Same with Walmart. Like I go in there to use the restroom in the mornings and then end up I'm like getting a couple things. I'm like, I don't need this. Dang it. What am yeah. I doing? So, yeah. So, we did those two mainly. If we were in some cool areas of the country, we would try to find, um, or we'd use an app that's called iOverlander that just other RV people post on about different places that are free to park or free to stay. So, sometimes we would end up like, um, like when we were out in Monterey and like Pacific Grove, uh, little town out there, like we were able to stop, slept like basically directly on the beach. Um, we did that a handful of times and, um in the mountains and, and like in the red rocks and sedona like we you know definitely some cool places but uh home sweet walmart <laughs> was yeah. the name of the game pretty much well i hope you stopped at the at heb when you were in texas and well yes I, of course i did that too <laughs> so, so we got lsu augusta heb in that yes. order yeah augusta I, ranks above heb but and and we so my girlfriend and i both have some food allergies so we cooked a lot on the trip like we weren't really yeah. I mean, most people That's think a good way of, to save good way to save money too while you're yeah, yeah, traveling the country. Coincidentally, yes. And yeah. so, um, I mean, most people picture that kind of trip just like eating fast food or whatever the whole time, but mm-hmm. not really an option for us. So, I, I cooked on this little two burner camp stove with two cast iron skillets most of the time, and um, and so we I have some pretty strong opinions on grocery stores because we would have to do like legitimate grocery shopping <laughs> right. in most towns, and H E B was was pretty good. Um, it, it definitely fell down the rank some as I kept traveling, which I know is like uh, uh, blasphemy <laughs> to any Texan. But, yeah. But it's we'll solid. Let it slide. It's, a solid, it's a solid store for sure. What was your uh, What was your favorite course that you played along the way? Man, favorite is really tough. Um, partly because I played so many different kinds of places that really captured my attention. Which, which I'll, I'll tell you some of those because I mean, you think of okay. like. The most famous municipals in the country are Torrey Pines, Bethpage Black, um, Chambers Bay, and Harding Park in mm-hmm. San Francisco, mm-hmm. where Morcala won the PGA recently. And like those are ones that are, you know, their greens fees are like two hundred plus dollars, right? Somewhere between two and three hundred bucks. And they're municipals, but they're not really. totally feel yeah. like it right now harding park in san francisco felt like the vibe of a, of a muni like the clubhouse the just the whole experience there really felt like it granted the course is obviously like big and famous right um mm-hmm. but so like of, i mean like chambers bay is one of my favorite one of my favorite golf courses you know muni or otherwise i just love that place i'd played it once before this trip and so i was super pumped to go back there um but then there's then there's like this whole mid-level of courses that are all you know, I'd say 30 to 50 bucks. So, you know, really good value. 
and are just spectacular. I mean, I think of like Jeffersonville and, and Philadelphia is awesome. Um, Kinney Park or Kinney Park, I can never remember how to say that, and Hartford, Connecticut. Like this, these different places that I played, Swope Memorial and Kansas City. Um, and there's, there's a bunch of these places like that that are so cool. But then there's this whole other subsection I played that are nine holes, practically $10 to play. And yeah. were some of my favorite places I stopped at. You know, like there's one in um, Eugene, Oregon that I love called Laurelwood. And it's nine holes that I'm like, man, people need to stop here going to and from Bandon. Like this is a, a no-brainer stop. This is mm-hmm. like your perfect warm-up round as you're, you know, once you land. And so, um, which I'll, I'll write about in my book, but, there, you know, there's, so it's hard to name favorites, but there's certain ones that really like, really grabbed me. And, and one of them actually that just came to mind was um, uh, we went, we went to Alaska for five days and we played, or I played um, Anchorage golf course up there. Okay. And I teed off. So I, I, I ate dinner. This was in July. So it's, it's stays it's light always for funny. Really, yeah. Really long. Yeah. So <laughs> I ate dinner and then teed off at six 30 to play 18 holes and wow. finished, you know, I think around like 11 or so. And then <laughs> it was still light for uh, pretty much till midnight <laughs> there. And That's crazy. And the sun, I mean, like, so I, I had a camera of my shoulder the whole time, um, like golf bag on one shoulder camera on the other. I walked virtually every round and, um, and so I uh, was always, you know, it was a total bonus to me if I was playing a course in golden hour or like around sunrise where it was like really good light, you know, like not the middle right, of the day yeah. sun, but I couldn't always control that just because the schedule, et cetera. And so in Alaska, though, it basically freezes on like golden hour light for hours on end. And so like as a photographer, excuse me, as a photographer, you're like, this is perfect. You know, this is, I, I don't have to like rush around. Not, I don't have like 30 minutes suddenly that mm-hmm. has good photography. Get all your, yeah. Get all your pictures in. Yeah. Literally hours of it and just really gorgeous. And so, you know, I saw a bear, saw a moose, um, kind of checked off all the Alaska bingo, <laughs> bingo squares essentially. So you, you, I was going to ask you, uh, you played all 50. How did you get Hawaii and Alaska? We've heard the Alaska. How did you, get to Hawaii was that uh, obviously you didn't drive there um, correct so those but... are the only two that we flew to so I we left the van in Seattle and flew to Alaska this summer um, mm-hmm. and we originally had a, the van booked to be on a ferry to go there but it wasn't going to get us back in time to get to the east coast before winter hit and so I was like oh dang so I guess we'll just have to fly there and then we did Hawaii at the very end so we made it back home to Nashville uh, actually, in this kind of weird route, had to hit Arkansas last <laughs> before getting home. And so, um, no offense to Arkansas, but I didn't feel like I could totally end the trip in Arkansas. <laughs> <And> so <Right. laughs> we, um, so we got, you know, we, we we got home. We're home for two days, and then flew to Hawaii for um, about a week uh, right before Christmas. And okay. in Hawaii, I played two places, but the last course I played was this nine-hole golf course. Um, called Kahuku. The parking lot is just kind of this gravelly mixture of gravel, grass. There, there's three trailers there that are really rusted out and you you would have no clue like which one a golf shop is when you pull in there. And it's just like the most, there's a, a, some chickens walking around. Like this is the most rustic place, but it is directly on the ocean and like the most primo real estate and mm. stunningly gorgeous. Just, you know, looking at like this unbelievably like turquoise blue ocean the whole time and it's nine holes and it's, it's epically windy there just the winds howling all the time and so their whole markers are made out of just wood that are nailed to anything that won't blow over like there's a street <laughs> sign near one of them that's just nailed to that and there's you know there's just so many cool things about it and i was uh got paired up with this uh, this local guy there named paka who was just the, the perfect way to end the trip essentially so you didn't end it in Arkansas, you ended it in Hawaii. There you go. That's that's <laughs> yeah. the last chapter of the book, Hawaii. I think I was maybe the, the only person in the world to have gone from Lexington to Louisville to Little Rock to Honolulu. <laughs> like in order, so. All on the same vacation. Yes. <laughs> so same that's trip. Correct. Within like a week of each other. <laughs> so, I mean, shout out to your girlfriend for tagging along on this golf trip around the country. Did, did she play golf with you or did she just kind of explore the cities when, wherever y'all were at? So she actually surprisingly played zero holes of golf 
this entire time. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so I know most people are like, how did you talk her into this? Like what, what, what was going on? But so she, I mean, luckily, I mean, she loves to travel and loves being on the road. So I knew, um, like I, I, I met her in 2020. So I already had this trip in my mind because I was going to originally leave on this trip in 2020, um, like in April of 2020, right. of course, COVID, et cetera. Right, yeah. um, Something that had other plans. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Not the best time to travel. And so then the next year just still timing wasn't totally right. And then, so she knew about it. So like, you know, eventually I was like, Hey, I got to do the trip. I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. And so she was, I was like, are you down to go with the dogs? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And so luckily she was game. And so she worked remotely for a company in Nashville. So that she was able to do that. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Full time. And then she's a, uh, like a competitive runner does marathons and, um, Sometimes I would complain after walking a lot of holes and then I remember who I'm talking to. I'm like, Oh, never mind. <laughs> you know, but, uh, so she, she, uh, you know, is training for, we're headed to London in April because she's running the London marathon. And so okay, she was doing t- tons of training during that. And then, yes, like you said, we would go check out all the cities and do more non golf stuff than golf stuff. Really. Are you, uh, bringing the sticks to London, find somewhere to tee it up over there? You know, we're going to be there for three weeks. I think I should. Um, I mean, you got you traveled the country with them. You might as well bring them across yeah, the pond to London. I know, exactly. So we're going to we're going to London and then Paris and then the stop in Belgium and then Amsterdam. So I think that's four more places to add to the book. 50 I think they have plus four countries. <laughs> yes. You know, traveling when flying, does it make you nervous? Like, it, I think it makes me nervous, but like, when you fly and you have to check your golf clubs, like it, I, it makes me nervous. Like here I have like $3,000 worth of golf clubs and I'm not sure if they're going to make it here kind of thing. Does it make you nervous, you know, traveling with them? Well, yeah. Cause I mean, I, I got so used to it. Um, always having them in the van. Like I, we, you know, in the van, I had all my stuff at all times. And so I got so used to that. So like, even like when we flew to, Alaska and Hawaii I was I felt like I had nothing with me you know like oh, I just had yeah. this bad like like a regular person traveling and right. so but I'll tell you what will calm your anxiety and this is um a free plug is uh just get an apple air tag and throw it in your bag and then I've, I've heard about that that way you, yeah. you know what it says your bag's been checked well let me check if it's if it's on the plane <laughs> oh it's underneath correct right now good to so go. when I landed in both of those places I was like is my bag here great and then my, my clubs actually got lost for like a week during Christmas um but I knew where they were the whole time. They were just sitting in, in um, Dallas, Fort Worth, <laughs> the airport for uh, about a week. And I was like, well, that's fine. They'll, they'll get here eventually, you know. So yeah. anyway, that'll flying, help you out. Flying to Alaska, you know, you're going there to play golf and your clubs yes. don't come. I guess you got to find somewhere to rent some golf clubs because uh, yes. the trip can't stop. You got it. You got to do what you showed up to, to go there for. I didn't Correct. Even think and about I that. and I I bought one air tag and I threw it in my golf bag. I was like, if my clothes get lost, my clothes get lost. I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, I gotta know where this golf bag is. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what's uh, you know, we asked about your favorite course. What was like one of the just? The, I'm sure you can't narrow it down to just one, but what was one of the more interesting stories that you had, or like people that you met besides Tiger Woods's caddy? Um, you know, like just someone that really stood out to you along the way. Yeah. Um, it is a bit like picking your favorite kid, right? I mean, there's yeah. 269 people I met you know, on the road and, and they all, they all definitely scary or carry a special place. Cause you know, just had these cool connections with them. And really, so one thing that, that helps from a story standpoint um, that, that I learned on this trip is I would get into these conversations with people and keep in mind, like I'm, I'm talking to, these are pure strangers to me, right? Like I just right. meet them oftentimes right by the first tee um mm-hmm. like hey how's it going do you guys care if i join you or maybe we, we booked the same tea time and it's already happened or whatever so i was thinking you know, as i'm traveling i'm like man there's just so few things now where you're with a stranger for hours on end and you have to talk to them right i mean mm-hmm. and not i'm not trying to sound like old man on the rocker or like oh technology has ruined you know whatever but <laughs> genuinely like you can have a full day if you want uh, like a full productive work week and never really talk to a stranger right like you could if you work yeah. remotely maybe you then work out after that and you're just doing like peloton or something else that's virtual right and then 
maybe you order groceries and you can just click to have them left on your front doorstep, right? Or mm -hmm. if you just get takeout and you can have like this kind of full productive week and then never talk to a stranger. And so I just was, had this feeling before I went of like, man, I don't think people talk to strangers anymore or, or at least it, it's died down a considerable amount, right? And so, right. so what I found on this trip as I'm talking to all these strangers is, there's this comment, like there's, they, they send you a coded message when you're talking to them. Like they may say, it's, it's like what they're saying is different than the words they just told you where like, they might say, Oh yeah, well, I moved to um, Vermont after my, um, you know, after my father died and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, when they say that little thing, like, like you just have to, you know, kind of be a good listener and hear like, okay, they just mentioned something about their dad passing and it's like this door opens into a new room you know mm -hmm. um i just read this analogy in, the, in this book this writing book recently where it tied into this perfectly where this lady talked about how it, it's like you have a, a it's like when you're talking to someone it's like you're in a, a room with eight foot ceilings that are like those old styrofoam squares that are in every classroom right that you can like yeah poke and move right away and it's like when you ask someone all different question, colors yeah yeah and it's like you think this is as big as the room is right and then when someone mentions a little comment that offers the opportunity to kind of see that door creak open it's like you poke the square tile to realize like oh man there's a really beautiful vaulted ceiling under underneath that right or above that and so mm -hmm. um so those moments were like pure magic to me and that's really why I went on this trip was to get in, into those moments. And so a couple of them, um, to answer your question that they come to mind is, uh, I mean, I, uh, and I'll use one in Texas where you are, uh, but okay. in San Antonio, there's a course called Brackenridge, which is an old, super old historic place. Um, but I met a guy there who was in his eighties and his goal, his name was Frank and his goal was to shoot his age. And he had stopped playing. So he started playing golf at this course when he was 12. So he'd been playing there for over 70 years at this point. And he uh, had stopped playing golf for about 20 years until recently. And he was like, just woke up one day and was like, I just want to shoot my age and just got obsessed with that. And so watched every golf YouTube instructor you could imagine. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and was out there every day doing that. And he, he was really funny. He was a lawyer and he just, had all these life philosophies that like, I think originally he was just going to give me one life philosophy, but then he'd be like, Oh, okay. One more, one more life philosophy here. Like, you know, one, one more turned into like eight more. And so um, you got four hours like, worth of it. Yes. And then I think about this lady a lot that I played with um, in uh, New Hampshire, this course um, called Beaver Meadow. And it was in Concord, New Hampshire, which is like the, their capital up there. And gorgeous place was, was there in the fall, which is like the, the Northeast in the fall is just outrageously mm. gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I used to think that Nashville and Tennessee was nice in the fall. And then I went to Vermont. I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> this is right. like, this is amazing. And so um, anyway, I was paired up with her and she uh, was telling me just some, I mean, she was on a city council there, but she told me this story about how she spread her dad's ashes uh, when she went to Pebble Beach. Her dad was a big golfer and she's a big golfer. And she had had this last second opportunity to go to Pebble and she went to the par three seventh there, you know, the, obviously the famous par three on the water and just carried her dad's ashes there in an old, um, you know, like medicine, like prescription bottle and, um, and went and spread his ashes just behind the green out there and her That's caddy. So cool. Yeah. And her caddy had, had like, you know, had recently done that with someone that was deceased that he knew. And so he was really supportive of her with that. And, um, and she just told me this, this crazy cool story about it and how she felt like when she got back on the plane to go home that she lost them all over again, just because she was like, man, I'm leaving him in, in, you know, Monterey and right. Pebble beach. And so, um, yeah, those are a couple that come to mind, but man, I could, uh, how long do we have? I could, I could go on forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as, as long as you, we don't want to take too much of your time. Oh, you're uh, fine. But I mean, that's why people got to buy the book. All the stories are going to be in the book. Um, uh, before I got, uh, two more questions for you before we get in the book. Yeah. Was, was there any hole in ones that you had? I mean, you played a lot of golf. There's got Man, at I least played, be one. I played a lot of golf. There was not one. So wow. there, I was that shows, so that close. It shows, shows how, know. how hard a hole in one is. Truly, I don't have I one. Mean, truly. Like I, I, Jacob, do you have one? I don't have one. I, I've actually over like, three on the, on the show. I've 
hit the side of the cup and just put a hole like in the ridge of the cup and it no just way. never went in yeah so it just sat there it was just awful but yeah that's basically your, your buddies are like that does not count that does not yeah. count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> friends are great like that right and so yeah. uh i have one hole in one as a little kid i mean i was gosh i don't even know maybe 11 years old or so but um but i've never had one as an adult and i've played as you guys can probably guess like a million rounds and so uh, I came really close a couple of times, not that anyone wants to hear your close hole in one story, but uh, I mean, within like an inch or two, maybe two or three times. And it always happened to be on the days that I was playing my worst, you know, and you get up there mm-hmm. and hit one really good shot. And, um, but back. one of them was completely, one of them was completely blind. And I was just had a feeling, I was like, I just feel like that's going to be close. And um, got up there and this couple was like looking for their ball. And I was like, is mine in the hole? Is mine in the hole? And then got up there because of like a little ridge. And then it was literally like one inch from the cup. I was like, come on. I, I'm, I always do that. If I get up to the green, I feel like I hit a good shot, maybe into the sun. You don't see it. I'm like, let me go check the hole real quick. Just see if maybe yeah. it's in there. It's like, good, it's, to be I think in there. the proper etiquette is like, you have to pretend to kind of look around a little bit. Like, yeah. and then you're like, well, I'll check the hole. But the whole time, that's all you want to do is check the hole. <laughs> right. You just want <laughs> to walk right into the tee box. Yeah. You're so, you're so right when you say like, uh, like when you're having a terrible day, there's like, there's always that like one shot that like can keep you coming back all the time. Is I've had that happen so many times, like just terrible. Yes. Like when Chet lived in Houston, like I, I played a course out in Houston, uh, Wildcat uh, Golf Club out there. And of course, you can see kind of the Houston skyline and energy stadiums there. And, mm-hmm. uh, and just having a terrible day, you know, and then I get up there and I'm, in the middle of the fairway like 150 yards out and i'm like just let me hit it i was just, I just no thought about it at all and uh just sinking it in the hole and you're just like what just happened yeah. it's just weird you know, it's game, like, man. golf has, golf has yeah. a weird way of always getting you to just come back every time and, and take your money it does for sure speaking of houston by the way uh, i played two courses there one i, mean, I played memorial park which i would put right. in the same bucket as those bigger ones i mentioned earlier and then yeah. it's um, got a pga tour event there so correct yeah and like you know they pumped a ton of money into it redid it all etc mm. and then but one of them i, I really love this course there did you guys ever play gus wortham when you're in houston no. i've so i've seen it i've tried to remember is it like on the north side of town it is, you, um, I want to say it is on the east side of town. It is not in a great area. Um, if that oh, I know sense. what you're talking about. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I've never played it, but I've seen it pop up on like the Golf Now app. I lived on the northwest side of Houston, so I was like, I'm not driving an hour <laughs> that, that way be, to go yeah, play. Pretty far. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. I, I highly okay. recommend. Really, really fun. They, I think they, someone, I forget who redid it all at some point, but it's, it's the Houston Golf Association headquarters mm-hmm. now, but um that place is awesome like, I, I, I that was like my favorite course for quite a while as i was traveling awesome the uh yeah houston's got so many courses whether they're public municipal um private there's there's always one to choose from there tons um, yeah and, huge and place it's 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 fun to play golf like jacob mentioned the wildcats a fun course that was the first course i ever played in houston and hmm. you got the some of the holes that overlook the skyline and it's just like cool views you're playing kind of that twilight round is it three nine holes out there no wildcat is uh two separate 18 hole courses that's right two separate Mm. that's cool yeah and then they just opened one up actually on the river they call it east river nine it's a nine hole course it's fully lighted so you can play it uh up until they close at like 11 o'clock um but it's it's got a view of downtown it's it's on the east river that runs through houston buffalo bayou um it's got an awesome view of downtown when you go out there on the driving range and stuff so i mean golf it's gonna sound cheesy but it's one of the like the best things you can do really you meet so many people like in your experience travel the country just uh you know really it, it changes a lot of people's lives especially if you're a professional growing up wanting to play you get on the tour and you yeah, all this fame and money, and it's just a legacy of, of, of playing you know, one of the oldest sports uh, in history. So, uh, but let's get in. Let's get into your book. Uh, you know, you said you're still in progress. How's that going? What's it like uh, writing from memory? Really? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I took notes as I was traveling, which is definitely helpful. Um, but there's definitely times where I'm like, man, I wish I would have taken more notes. <laughs> <You> know, but, <laughs> um, but a lot of it definitely comes back and, and really helps. And I was able to, you know, use an audio recorder a lot that just was able to capture some of the conversations, so it, which helps, you know, just get back into the sound and hearing someone's voice and being like, that's right, right. That's, right. that's what they sounded like. And so, um, but yeah, it's been going well. I mean, I, uh, you know, uh, almost hate to jinx it, <laughs> you know, be like, yeah, it's going great, you know, but um, it will be uh, hopefully available to pre-order sometime in the near future. And then I'm not sure when it'll be out yet, but it's my first time going through this experience of right. writing a book and get it published and all that jazz. So um, I feel like I could write a book about that whole process <laughs> you know, of going through. And so <laughs> maybe that'll be the uh, next one. Yes. I say it'll be a less interesting book, but, <laughs> um, uh, but anywho, so yeah, it's, it's, so I'm working on that now and it'll basically um, you know, it, it captures the stories of all these people that I met on this trip and, you know, some kind of more memoirish things and what it's like to travel America in a van in 2022 and what sleeping in a Walmart parking lot in mm. the middle of nowhere can be like and what parking in the, you know, on a city street in, in Manhattan <laughs> you know, can be like yeah. and, you know, just all the different things. I mean, like, because we went from, you know, I mean, we, we, when, I mean, all this kind of classic Americana stuff we saw, like the Mall of America to the, I mean, we went to the Minnesota State Fair, which is like, you know, I think second to Texas, right? As far as like the biggest, craziest yeah. state fairs and uh, went to Fargo, uh, North Dakota. We were in Oklahoma City, you know, like we went from Oklahoma City up to Fargo, mm-hmm. I think within a week and went to Maine, which is just amazing. Obviously, we talked about Alaska, Hawaii and so there's plenty to say. I, I'm sure that my first draft will be uh, much longer than what's eventually put out into the might world. Be, um, might be two books. <laughs> I know, honestly. Um, trying to keep it from being that, essentially. But, right. Um, but yeah, so it'll, it'll be a mix of all that. But I mean, it'll, it'll center around the stories of these people just because right. they're the reason I did this trip. And um, their stories are fascinating. And keep in mind, these are just regular people, right? Like you don't have to be famous or have a big following or whatever to... Mm-hmm have an amazing story, which is what almost what I found is the more regular the person, you know, I'll put regular in air quotes, like the more amazing the story. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really cool. And so, um, and we all have the opportunity to do that, to hear these stories, just FYI, this was not something that I invented or something that only I could do. Like it's literally, you can go to any public golf course, book a tea time with a stranger and um, talk through it with them. Right. I mean, just, you're going to get into the normal stuff, right? What do you do? Where are you from? Okay, cool. Oh yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You know, so you can get through that stuff, but man, it's just, it's just literally one level down. <laughs> like mm-hmm. one level below that is all the, all the gold, all the good stuff. And so and I think it really, you know, um, it, everybody wants to be known to, to a certain capacity. Right. I, I don't mean famous, but they just want to feel known. Right. Like right. that's when you're at your most, comfortable that's when you're your funniest right and think about what like you guys you said you're going to a wedding here um in new orleans pretty soon mm-hmm. uh like you're gonna be around all your buddies I, I i would assume and um i'm sure you'll feel pretty comfortable pretty funny uh you know more so than you would around a group of strangers right and so exactly yeah what i found is a cool way to to you know or i just I've, I've, as i met more people i think people were just desperate to share their story because i think sharing your story helps you feel known and and safe and cared for even with it's even with a stranger you know, like right. myself to them and so i think people were pretty desperate for that just because i don't think a lot of people talk to each other anymore um face to face strangers wise and so um yeah so the book will really be centered around that as the north star uh, of being okay. like hey this this thing doesn't happen a lot golf happens to be this weird goofy antidote to this <laughs> like I don't know what else. I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I don't really know what else gets you with a stranger for this long. Yeah, like, and you're doing the same thing. You're all trying to accomplish the same goal of yeah, them all in the hole at, at yep. the end of the day. So and so yeah, and you kind of have this na- natural buffer built in. It's not like you're at dinner with a stranger, right? Like you're right. in a shot. You're able to you know um, walk over to your ball, so it's not like you're in constant contact with them. Mm-hmm. But um, you know you have to talk to them, and when you do, I mean it's you're life will change not to sound dramatic but it'll genuinely happen you learn a lot about a bunch of people um i was i was 
gonna ask you about your golf game. Where are you at? Uh, you know, you played a lot. Did you see your game get better, or did it stay kind of level because you were more focused on the story aspect uh, of the rounds? Or where are you at with, yeah. with your game? Well, any golfer would go through certainly go through. Um, like when you play a lot of golf, I'm not trying to sound like I'm a martyr here. Like, oh, I had to play so much golf; it was terrible, <laughs> you know. But when you play a lot of golf, like there's definitely days where, you know, if I was just focused on playing or like focused on my score, I would have been miserable just cause I would have been like, I just would have gotten burned out. But yeah, like you right. said, I, would, I mean, I was really focused on like getting these pairings, pairings, getting with the people. I'm taking photos a lot as we're playing, talking to them. So my game was totally secondary to me the whole time. But of course, like Definitely. any golfer, like my game was just yeah somewhat up and down, but I would say, I mean, it stayed pretty consistent. I mean, I used to um, I worked in golf as an assistant pro at a club in Chicago for a couple of years. And so I was able to learn a bunch and practice a bunch then. And I've always kind of been basically around a one handicap, um, okay. for quite, I don't know, years and years and years. And so, um, but I mean, yeah, so there were certain times on the trip where I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot how to play golf. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've got to take a few days off because I can like barely make contact and then take a couple but days your body off takes every... a toll too playing yeah i mean every day and then driving the van too i mean it's, yes it's not yeah easy life so i'm, I'm glad you said that because sometimes i would you know i'm it's an early morning round and I'm, I'm trying to hit like a long iron on like the second hole and i'm like yeah i don't think sleeping in the walmart parking lot and then coming out here and playing <laughs> is like the best recipe <laughs> for this you know it's like yeah. that's not your sharpest <laughs> per se but anywho i survived um and uh it's you know the weather's starting to turn here which is nice so i'm getting out there more now and um remembering that all golf was not just on the trip last year but i uh, still enjoy doing it which is good all right well that's yeah you didn't get burnt out where's your uh, where's your home course in in nashville where you typically play at yeah so nashville actually has a bunch of municipals for a city this size there's five or six i think um okay. so i really i bounce around within those mccabe this one called mccabe golf course is kind of a home one here um I belong to, I joined Sweden's Cove, which is down near Chattanooga. Um, it's a, you know, I don't know if you guys know of it, but it's a nine hole golf course down there. Um, so that's kind of a home track. I mean, I go down there a decent amount. Typically, I, I've really only been like once in the past year because I was gone. But You're right. Um, anyway, so yeah, I've been just back at the munis around here and waiting for the grass to be green and it not Got to be there. wet and cold yeah. <laughs> every day, pretty much. <laughs> on that one. Well, Jeremy, we appreciate you coming on and, and telling your story. Uh, and we're definitely looking forward whenever the book comes out, getting our hands on a copy of that and reading it. You know, of course, we'll do our part as much as we can, pr promote it and try to get it out there because just this hour conversation has really opened my eyes up onto, uh, like I mentioned before the show started, I'm out here, just moved to, to this part of Central Texas, don't really know anybody to play golf with. I might, and I, Previously was like, oh, let me, I just want to play with myself, work on my game, you know, just kind of get through the round. Mm -hmm. But now I want to get out there and talk to these people and meet, uh, figure out, like you said, peel back that onion and that one little thing that opens the door. And then you really have an, an honest and meaningful conversation with, with a total stranger. So completely. Yeah. That's, I, I was going to, before we wrapped, I was going to say, hey, your goal this week. Yeah. to go play with a stranger out there. <laughs> I might go play Friday. I might be like, hey, am I playing by myself? Yes. Yeah, no, pair me with somebody. Put somebody off the T-sheet. Let me uh, let, let me play with somebody. Absolutely. If Texas is yeah. as hot as I remember, the weather should be fine. <laughs> you should be good it's, to uh... – So yesterday it was 50 degrees. Today it was 85. Uh, we'll, see what, we'll see what it is <laughs> on Friday. It fluctuates. You never know. But, but – yes. uh, where can people find you? Where are you, what are your socials? Uh, they can they can check it out and stay tuned for the book. Yeah, so everything is um, just at Paired Up Golf, P A I R E D Up Golf, um, PairedUpGolf.com, uh, which I'm redoing right now. The website's a bit of a wreck, but um, and then uh, but yeah, just on, on socials there, I'll keep people posted with um, when the book's ready for pre-order and when it's um, you know if I get publisher and all that stuff, I'll, I'll definitely post on Twitter and instagram and then i guess tiktok which i'll i'll use some now you know yeah. um and then uh but I, I really i mean of course i would you know it's helpful to have people follow you on there just for publishing sake and and that kind of thing but as i'm writing this book i'm really not posting a ton so you definitely feel free to hop on there and dig through kind of older stuff i posted um, from the mm -hmm. trip um, but i didn't really post 
a ton as I was, as I was going, just cause I was, I was eventually, I just got so locked into the people and their stories and was like, all right, I'm saving this for the book. It's just my energy is best spent staying right. present with these people than it is right. yeah. worrying about, um, you know, Oh gosh, well, Instagram only lets me have this reel be 90 seconds. Can I carve off, the, you know, whatever. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, which definitely went through times of that on the road where I was like, so frustrated and I was like, all right, screw it. I'll just, I'll do it later. You know? And so mm-hmm. anyway, that's a long way of saying they can find me there. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd love to have them. And, um, as soon as I, I'm just trying to be on a little bit of a media diet here as I write this book, because hard to keep the antenna clear when you're scrolling basically exactly. right so yeah. get get the get the book done and then just start posting little teaser clips uh like you have on tiktok and some will start taking off of people it'll build anticipation for the book it's just like releasing a movie trailer like you released the trailer uh that that caught my eye and here we are talking for a little over an hour and and just hear more perfect about it, so yeah, but yeah. We this, tra- uh, this trailer will be the cocaine bear of golf books. <laughs> there be you go. <laughs> nice, nice. So well, I think that's maybe like the most viral trailer of all time. Yeah. Thanks for having me, though. I appreciate this. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, and, and of course, we'll we'll stay in touch and look forward to reading the book once it comes out. All right, thanks, fellas. Yep. Yeah, have a good one, man.